No credentials. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. We have arrived at number 78 on the 2020 Rolling Stone list of the greatest albums of all time. This one is a re-rank, an episode that we've done before. At number 78, we've got Elvis Presley and the Sun Sessions. Um, A disclaimer here. Uh, This is a compilation of some Elvis songs that came out kind of before albums were really a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we spent a good chunk of the old episode talking about whether or not this sort of thing is deserving of being called the greatest album of all time when it came out, um, I guess, the mid-70s, you know, well after (laughs) all these songs were recorded. Um, But anyway, uh, it's here. It's dropped quite a lot. Originally, it was uh, ranked way back in 2003, number 11, and it held that to the top of the book and the 2012 list, falling all the way down to number 78. So, uh, uh, what do you what do you make of that, Mike? It's still here. There were some compilation albums that were removed entirely. Yep, and yep. we we approved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this it's, is an at album. Least it made it easier for us to talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Without so many compilations. Right. I, you're, you're probably going to hear me saying some of the same things, uh, but I'll give a little preview here. The music came out on you know singles or compilations, uh, little 45s from. It was very common in, in the 50s and even into the 60s for a record label to release uh, a 45 with a few songs, maybe even one side on one song on each side of artists on the label. And I think that that's what a lot of those early Elvis recordings, how they were released. So um, Elvis's debut LP was what, 58? Somewhere around there? Uh, the self-titled Elvis Presley. This music comes before, was recorded before, uh, if I've got my dates right, but this album was released in 76. So my criticism, and again, you'll probably hear this when you listen to a review, was did people really buy this album in 76? And was it really a significant album? If it was really, you know, a, a ranking based on voting, did that many people vote? to get it up to number 11 this is an important album to me or was it well Elvis Presley's music and his early music that uh, that really quote changed rock and roll yeah uh, is they the editors of Rolling Stone felt it was so important that they had to include this which is the only actual album that contains all those songs together, right? Right. Because you won't find those songs on an actual LP. So uh, I was skeptical that it was actually from the voting. Right. Uh, right. And so I'm wondering if they did less editing of the list after they tabulated the votes on the 2012 list than the 2003 list, then maybe that would explain why this is lower. I would still argue that if you if you had an, an Elvis album that was important to you, it probably wasn't this album. Unless you were maybe, you know, you were 16 when Elvis came on the scene, and then 20 years later, 
you're 36 and you have more money and you've got a bigger record collection and you go, yeah, oh wow yeah. they've got all those songs that I remember hearing on the radio or about the 45 yeah. and I can we saw the thing, thing with uh, box sets box CD sets in the 90s and boomers who were now you know in their 40s and 50s who had lots of money oh I had that you know I had that on like five different records I can just buy the right. CDs now unless that's the case then I still question it a bit I, I the, the drop doesn't bother me. And again, uh, is it a great album? Well, it's not really even an album. It's just, hey, we have the technology now. We have LPs. We've had them for a long time. We can put all those songs on one LP. Uh, let's do it. I'm still not sure what to do with this one in general. Uh, um, it's not that it's bad yes. music. It's it's the beginning of you know a new a new era, so to speak. Yeah, uh, and even that there's some contention which we talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I'm fine that it's here. I guess I wouldn't be upset if it wasn't on this list at all. Uh, yeah, there's other Elvis albums that were significant. I think that's what I feel about it in a nutshell. What about you? I don't think I have anything to add. And I oh, think if shoot. I do Sorry. add anything, it'll sound exactly like our review, <laughs> which is coming up here very shortly. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, this all fails very familiar. Uh, uh, go, going over the nuances of like what what even is this? I guess the the one group that this may have been significant for is not the people who heard the songs all originally, but the people who kind of discovered rock and roll in the '70s. And this was released as kind of like this is the. This is the back history to these rock mm. bands you're, you're listening to now in the 70s. Mm. So, yeah, maybe those would also be categorized as as boomers or maybe uh, older Gen Xers. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that that might be another group for whom this this could be significant. But yeah, it really feels it really feels awkward and odd. And I I think these songs are all deserving of being on greatest songs of all time lists. Um, I just don't quite know what to do with an album assembled in, in this way. And, uh, you know, it's the same struggle that we've had with some of the other compilations, uh, along the right. way here. And I think, I think we'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to our uh, re-listening to this one. It has really been, you know, <laughs> this is back to back weeks now here of, uh, reviews that we did quite a long time ago. This one, even more so this was our, 11th review on the sound logic podcast right yeah, uh, I, yeah. i'm guessing this sounds a little different than <laughs> our yeah. reviews do now so i'm looking forward to revisiting yeah, over over three years ago so um wow yeah pretty cool um yep. do you want to tell us what we have coming up next week ben yeah boy this is quite a pivot we are going to be shifting to an album that was nowhere on the um first iterations of the Rolling Stone list because it only came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, at number 79, we have Frank Ocean and his Blonde album. Um, I think this will be a little outside of the comfort zones for both of us, but yeah. uh, but it, it'll be really interesting. I think perhaps one of our first, um, I don't even know what to call Frank Ocean. I mean, the sound that he creates is um, certainly includes some electronica certainly includes some sort of rap hip hop elements, but it's a lot different than the hip hop albums that we've talked about so far. And um, yeah, it'll be fascinating. Well, I'm going to stop you there before okay. you spend all your material. Now <laughs> <laughs> let's save some for next week. Okay. Um, of course we hope you stick around for our 
previous review of the Sun Sessions uh, coming up right after this. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sound Logic Podcast. And today, we are discussing album number 11, which is The Sun Sessions by Elvis Presley. If you caught our uh, teaser episode this week, you know that Mike and I have determined uh, pretty much without a doubt that this is the artist we have the closest tie to based on uh, a relative in our family tree named Ed Weidman, who played for just a a couple of performances with the King um, in his iconic Aloha from Hawaii show. so I don't know that we'll ever get any closer than that, but it's kind of a neat little uh, piece of our family history, and uh, so it should be fun. I, I, it should be fun to listen to this album together. Yeah, absolutely. And that that recording you referred to was a '73 concert. This album, the music from it, we'll get into some of the details. The music from it was from way back in the '50s, but but yes, that is our uh, six degrees of separation and. Uh, and possibly the closest we'll ever get to one of these artists on the list. <laughs> Maybe someone from the band we have some sort of tie-in. I'll dig. I'll I'll pull out the family trees for the Kitchener-Waterloo area and see if maybe Garth yeah, Hudson right. uh, from the band pops up there. Yeah. Um, so Ben, had you listened to this album by Elvis before? No, and in fact, I was a little bit surprised to see uh, a compilation album this high on the list. This right. is our first one. And uh, so not only, I, I, I'm not sure that I could say I've listened to any Elvis album all the way through, but I was a bit surprised to discover the first one that they selected was uh, a selection of, of songs. Um, right, and I have a theory as to why that is, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had not listened to it. I knew one song, uh, which is just a cover, which is what all the songs basically are. I don't think Mm -hmm. some of them might have been original, but most are covers. Mm -hmm. And I want to do something a little different for this episode, Ben. And usually we talk about preconceived notions kind of later on, but a lot of times we've already kind of gone through that. And for this album and maybe some of the other albums where we haven't listened to them, I thought we'd talk about that at the top. So did you have any preconceived notions of what you thought this album would be before you listened to it? So I knew it was from uh, a phase of his career, uh, and so I I assumed it was going to kind of be a greatest hits um, from that time period, stuff that he recorded in the specific studio. Um, So I guess that's the extent of my preconceived notions. The the cover art looks kind of classic, and uh, I guess I I assumed that it was going to be older Elvis music. Right. Even though the date was 1976, yeah, uh, early more more country style dress yeah. there. Yeah, uh, I also I thought it would be more like early rock, more like Hound Dog, and not quite as kind of honky tonk country. Mm. Um, that that was my thoughts on it. The other than that, I didn't really know what to expect because yeah. I hadn't even I hadn't even heard of the album to be honest with you. Me neither. 
Okay, good. I'm wearing good company. <laughs> uh, no, I hadn't. So, um, anything else before we get into some details about it? From my understanding, the reason that this compilation was necessary was that the songs were originally recorded in a time period when uh, artists didn't really complete, especially pop artists, didn't really complete full albums. They would release singles. Right, yes. And, um, and so yep, this, these songs never really were an album. Um, and, and so compiling them into one sort of gave the, gave these songs a home. They were just floating, Mm -hmm. floating out there in the ether. Uh, even though they were very popular songs, they never really had an album to call home until this was released in the seventies. Right. They were, they were previously released on singles between 54 and 55. Right. Um, if some of them may not have been released, I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, but the album itself, The Sun Sessions, was released March 21st, 1976. And as you said, this is a compilation album. Uh, it's not a greatest hits per se, although some of the songs were loved. It wasn't wasn't greatest hits. It was a compilation. Uh, it was not written by Elvis, and I don't think he wrote hardly any of his music in his lifetime. Uh, most were written for him. Uh, it was written by just a bunch of different people, some covers, a few originals maybe, or just other people in the industry. Yeah. Um, it did chart. It charted to seven, number 76 on the U.S. Uh, Billboard Top 200, number two on the U.S. country charts, and in the U.K. it went to 16. So it it, it was slightly more than just a blip on the radar. It, did, it was noticed. Um, of course, you know, in the 70s, Anything Elvis releases, people are still interested in it, even if he's not number one anymore at this time. He still certainly is the king. Mm-hmm. And all these songs were recorded in Sun Studios between 54 and 55. And this is before Elvis's self-titled debut album in 56. Mm-hmm. So as you said, none of these songs were on any album had only been released on singles. So uh, that's exactly what it was. They they gave it a home. They gave the early music right. a home altogether. And I think there would have been a lot of fans, especially earlier fans, who would have been very interested in this to maybe as their Elvis had changed, changed his image, changed his lifestyle perhaps. It was probably a hearkening back to uh, a, a simpler Elvis, maybe mm. a more innocent Elvis. This is uh, a nostalgia very, record. In, yeah, in sense. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And a, a seminal um, grouping of songs too. That's all right. Mama uh, is often listed as the first uh, rock and roll single. Yes. Um, and it's found on this selection of songs. Um, yes. I think Rolling Stone magazine claims that, although it's it's widely disputed, um, there are lots of other songs that came out in a similar kind of era that, that others have pointed to. But I think this is maybe one, uh, I think because of the iconic nature of Elvis and the way that he was able to break through in a time when the rock and roll sound was pretty obscure, uh, he kind right. of made it popular, even if uh, he perhaps wasn't the first one to record a rock and roll song. Well, I do want to touch on that a little later for sure. Okay. That's definitely going to come up again, and that is significant, mm-hmm. very significant. Yeah. The artwork is interesting. It's not 
a photo. It's a, it's like a drawing. Yeah. Um, of Elvis on stage with his classic, you know, up on his toes kind of pose with his knees wide out. You know, we can imagine him in motion here, holding onto the mic stand with a big steel guitar around his neck. Um, with some, uh, <laughs> the drawings in the, there's like a backdrop and there's drawings of faces, but you can only see the mouths. Yeah. And it looks like the really mouths weird. of, like you can see kind of from the neck up to the nose of, they look like girls, you know, screaming fans. It's kind of, it's very, it's very dated. There's white stars in front of Elvis and it just says on the top left, Elvis' sun session. So again, very, it harkens back to the fifties, hundred percent. It probably, the artwork probably was from the fifties. Yeah. His it, hair, um, his collar, his scarf. Reminds me of like a, a 1980s textbook cover. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe nineties. Something that we would have had. That's because uh, our textbooks were, <laughs> I felt like our textbooks were from the fifties. <laughs> yeah. <probably. laughs> That's what it felt like. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, this album has 16 tracks on it. Did you have any favorites? If I had to pick favorites, it would be well. <laughs> I like I like a couple of these. I like Blue Moon of Kentucky. I like uh, I don't care if the sun don't shine. Um, uh, I like You're a Heartbreaker. It's got a real sort of te- twang to it. But I think the one that I was drawn to the most was Blue Moon. Um, <laughs> oh really? Because of. Uh, uh, MXPX cover album that you had in Oh, Edwin's come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot that they did that, that one. <laughs> uh, and oh. so that's from this goblet to uh, uh, <laughs> our, our friends from Magnified Clap. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's a pretty awful rendition, too, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it just feels like uh, they didn't try a whole lot. To wow! Make their own, but <laughs> wow, that's cool. Uh, the, I forgot it, man. Okay, I'm gonna have to go listen to that album later. <laughs> um, yeah, Blue Moon was already a classic. Yeah, I think I think that was was that Rogers and Hart. Oh no, no, no I got it wrong. That was um, yes, it was Rogers and Hart. Rogers and Hart wrote that. Um. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I really like "That's All Right, Mama." Great song. Um, I've had in my head many days in the last few weeks. I'm left, you're right, she's gone. Huh. Wonder why. It's a neat. It's a neat, catchy. It's a neat line and, too, isn't it? and clever, like yeah. clever. Um, yeah left or right she's gone yeah just just kind of clever and this is the next track uh we've already mentioned actually in our podcast baby let's play house because yeah. john lennon stole the line the infamous line that we talked about from the last track on rubber soul um i'd rather see her dead than see her with another man which it's awful i was talking to my wife about it and you know, she was shaking her head, and we both mused that it was probably just cute. 
you know oh he loves her so much you know and like no i I don't even think anyone would have batted an eye in 55 probably not at that line um unfortunately and i think we feel obviously feel much different about it now it's not (laughs) my comment was like like that i mean we know what happened back then too but now we don't like that happens Mm -hmm. so that's not funny and it's not cute Mm -hmm. And you said John Lennon did uh, did regret that later on. Said like that didn't kind of yeah. He I didn't, didn't feel great about that. There so. wasn't a ton of stuff on it, but yeah, he was not uh, necessarily proud no, of that. And uh, no. in fact, I think uh, had said a couple of times that song in particular was one of his least favorite Beatles uh, right. songs. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I also like your heartbreaker. That's a good one. Um, and the other ones, I mean, when I think about the album as a whole, it's kind of all got the same feel. Uh, sometimes I can't really tell the songs apart, you know, unless I'm really paying attention. And I'm not trying to be negative when I say that, because there's nothing wrong with this album. The songs, I've, I find the recording quality is quite good. Yeah, actually. Um, it's it's quite crisp. The, the instruments are played well. Fairly... Uh, the guitar playing for its time is quite good and I like it it's great music there's nothing wrong with it but it is all kind of the same thing but it, as you said it's all it all would have been very new and the way they played these kind of country and blues songs was very different and that's what set it apart right um, oh I was just going to say is this the oldest recording we've we've covered so far Right, so yeah, that's true. There's a couple. F- there's this is a couple firsts on the list. It's the first compilation album, as we mentioned. It's the first recording from the '50s, even though it's not the first album that was released in the 50s because it was released in 76 right and the next album we're going to talk about next week which is miles davis kind of blue was released in 59 but this music was recorded before that in 54 and 55 right. so yes this is the oldest so far and it does sound um, like a lesser quality of recording than even kind of blue which we'll get to next week but better than better than highway 61 <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the gift that keeps giving. Um, and then the other f- kind of first on the top 500 list is this is the first album where the artist or the band hasn't been involved in any of the writing. Like mm, from yeah. what we know, I mean Elvis, you know, put his flavor into the the vocals, and he might have strummed a little guitar, but. He wasn't involved in any of the songwriting at all. He has no credits. And he was a performer. And all the other uh, bands and artists we've listened to so far not only were performers, but were creators. They wrote and produced uh, almost all the music, and most of them did it all on their own, whether it was the band together or just the solo artists. Might have had some other musicians, but didn't have a lot of other songwriters helping them produce it. So this is this is also very different yeah. in that sense. My question that I had, uh, I had a few, but one of them was, was this album significant in 1976? And if it was, why? And I think we talked about that a little earlier, that the nostalgia of it. 
Yeah. But does it make this album, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but does it make this album great that it was released in 76? Were people just kind of longing for that sound again, that they didn't mind that it was 20 years old, that they were happy to get that sound again? Any thoughts on that? The one thought that did come to my mind is that um, U2's uh, Best of 80 to 90 um, came out in, whew. okay, so here, I, I just looked at that. Early 2000s, uh, 1998. Right? So it wasn't quite as far away oh, uh, really? as I was assuming. It was in 98? I was thinking it was a little later than that, but... Um, I thought it was later than that. So that would have been right after Pop. Those were songs that were already on albums, but it felt appropriate, especially for fans of that band, to sort of hold um, songs from a certain era together in a greatest hits kind of collection. So I could imagine uh, in the right. 70s, there's still a lot of people, not just nostalgically listening to Elvis, but but really seriously still fans. And... Um, and unlike you too, there wouldn't have been uh, a capsule, as we're saying, for for these songs that they probably knew and loved. So I'm guessing it was it was right. uh, not unlike uh, an artist releasing a greatest hits album from another era, but but almost even more important because of the way that it it cataloged these and, and put them together. Um, my hunch mm-hmm. is that it wasn't revolutionary, and and you know, greatest hits albums rarely no. are, but. I think it was probably deeply appreciated because of the circumstance surrounding it. Um, I, it reminds me, I think a little bit of, uh, some of the bands with a bit more of a jam band kind of focus, like, uh, Dave Matthews band, maybe who, who's fairly popular, but fans will still go crazy for, uh, concert footage when they get to hear songs, played in slightly different ways uh, or maybe just really good versions of their favorite songs Um, in an era when, you know, you you couldn't trade sound recordings in the same way as you can now uh, where you could only listen to these songs on their vinyl singles. uh, My hunch is that it would have been right. It would have been a really special thing for, for Elvis fans to finally get their hands on all Mm. these in one place and to be able to play them all back to back on an album without having to switch out the record every yes. time. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, you, you've yeah. collected all the singles and you just listen to two songs at a time yeah. and keep flipping yeah. them over. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I can I can buy into that. And that's kind of what I came to as well. But I, earlier on, I was trying to figure out why is this here and why, why would it have been important in 76? But I could see that. The simple truth is that... Um, Elvis's later albums were not as seminal because he'd already been around. So in creating this compilation, it kind of creates an album for them to pick and lift up as sort of the, I think, I think what, if we've learned anything from these first few albums here is that they're the, they were biased towards albums that changed the trajectory of music. And and this one being included right. is kind of funny because it takes songs that change the trajectory of music, but songs that weren't actually put into an album <laughs> until 20 years after they were released. And yep. so 
uh, yeah, it is a it is quite a bit different than anything that we've discussed so far. My kind of description of the album when I kind of tried to sum it up in a few words was very good, but not exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that's me listening to music released 20 years ago, recorded 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, and similar, take it with and a grain of salt. Similar to Dylan but, and similar to the Stones, um, his voice is so iconic that it's hard yeah. to imagine what music was like before Elvis. And right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Even these songs, you know, we'd never listened to them and, uh, in this package in this way. And yet we knew a lot of them. Um, uh, even the ones we didn't know seemed familiar. And I think it's because of that quality that he was such a huge star that his presence has permeated pop culture to the point where it doesn't sound, um, extraordinary. It just sounds like what we expect rock from this era to sound like. And so similar to the, those other artists I mentioned, I, I listen and I think, well, yeah, that's fine, but that sounds like fifties rock. And I forget that yeah. there was no fifties rock until this came out. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, That's right. This was the beginning yeah. of it. So yeah, no, that's cool. So I guess, you know, on an album that we're not familiar with and not really familiar with the era there, we, we have a little less to say, so we're getting near the end, but I, I want to talk about one more thing, and we'll kind of wrap this into our our sure. our judgment of whether it was sound logic or not. You, you touched on this earlier, Ben. According to Rolling Stone, the article, the 500 article, they said rock and roll was born, quote, uh, the moment that Elvis recorded That's All Right Mama mm. in the studio because... The, the guy who was playing guitar for him played it and he sang it and the producer stopped them and said what are you guys doing and they said oh we took this you know uh, we're just goofing around we took this blues song we're just playing it different he said do it again yeah uh, <laughs> that's great and that's how they did the, the songs and that is what Rolling Stone says and as you said it's disputed but probably not too many people are going to argue that that was the birth mm. of rock and roll. And I think that that's why they put this album I think so. at number 11, because it captures that moment. And that's all right, Mama is not that's on another this, album. That's right. Um, so if you want to say this is the beginning, this is the only album you've got to choose from. This is the only album you could pick. So I don't think they're picking it because this was a great album like it was a good album and and nostalgic and all those things that people wanted in 1976. I don't think it was that important in 76. That's not why they picked it or because put together it's so great because it captures that one moment that is so significant in the history of rock and roll and everything that came after it. Um, And I would almost be more comfortable with actually putting one of the singles (laughs) in the 11 spot to say when this came out this was this was it this is what shook the world of music and we're still playing this type of music yeah. today uh, so from my perspective I don't think it was sound logic to put this album here at number 11 top 50 sure because 
The music was significant. It was influential. Obviously, Elvis is the king, and he was greatly influential. I think for the same reason that some of the other albums, like Highway 61 Revisited, I just can't get into that album. And some of the things, there's so many problems with it, but it's got like a Rolling Stone on it, so it's got to <laughs> be in the top five. I, I, I stand by that um, reasoning why they put it yeah. there. And I think this is a very similar. So personally, I would say it, if you told me there's only 10 albums ever released that are greater than this, I would tell you you're out of your mind because there's no way. And I guess the reverse argument is none of those 10 albums would be here if not for this music. And I totally agree yeah. with that. 100%. Um, so how do you respect that when you're making yeah. this list? How do you yep. capture that? And how do you make sure that that influential moment is represented even if the album wasn't great? So I understand the dilemma. I understand the reasoning. I'm, I'm on board. I just, I'm still stuck. And, uh, you know, I'm somewhat legalistic. I'm still stuck on the title yep. of the list, the greatest right. albums. And I don't believe this is one of the greatest yep. albums. Um, I think what it represents, if, if we're talking, if you made a list of the the top 100 most influential moments in rock and roll history, <laughs> then this moment is probably number one. That's all right. Shows up on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest songs of all time. So that seemed, that seemed Perfect. far more specific and, 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 I, <laughs> and important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and more appropriate because it wasn't this album that was great. It was just the, that song that that's on it, that it represents that previous time. And like you said, this is the only album that's on, yeah. so they had to take well, it. So I, uh, that's my feeling on it. I don't want to beat totally a dead horse. I totally agree with but, you. And I think my criticism is the same. I do think, um, Elvis is cursed with the, the moment in time where he's releasing music. Um, because albums just weren't put mm. together in the same way as they are now in the early 50s. Uh, if this song creates rock and roll four years later, it gets put on an album. Because um, in the early 60s, that's what they did. And so, you know, some of it's timing. Um, right, yeah. Uh, but so, so, yeah, I guess that's my only hesitation. I, I don't, I mean, we've already discussed uh, some... I don't know, bias is maybe too strong of a word, but a desire in our musical journey as, as people consuming music to appreciate an artist's vision of an album. And this, this is not that. This is a producer 20 years after the fact throwing songs mm -hmm. together. And, and that's, that's where I think my hesitation lies in including this on the top albums. It's okay. the... Yep. Um, it's the retroactive way that this was formed. It's, it's a little unfair, like I said, because of how music was produced at the time. But if we're going to allow for this kind of a greatest hits album, there should be no reason that a band like Rush uh, shouldn't be concluded on these albums with a, a greatest hits album of theirs. Uh, you know, if a band struggles to release an album that's worthy of being great, but their greatest hits is incredible. Um, you know, I'm guessing we'd have all greatest hits albums on this list. If the list is only about kind of the overall presence of a band or sound or a bunch of really great songs, yeah. then yeah, the list may as well just be a bunch of, but that's not what the list is. Unless, unless, you know, after 
we're 11 albums in and I've totally misunderstood yeah. what the list is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I still take it as, you know, the greatest yeah. albums. And to me, um, this just doesn't quite fit yeah. that criteria. I think it belongs, like I said, it belongs on another, on a yeah. different list. And as you said, it, it, that song already is. And if it was moments or artists, um, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, I'm hundred percent on board, but if it's just albums, well, uh, no, thank you. Mike, uh, how much of this, how much of this gut reaction that we're having is, is colored by the dynamic that Elvis didn't write this as well. Is that, is that also influencing our, our thought process here? That doesn't bother me because to me that has nothing to do with the quote greatness of a release. Uh-huh. Uh, personally, um, you know, if greatness has to do with how it sounds and how it was recorded and how it was received yeah. and how it was influenced, I mean, anybody yeah. could write it. I think there's something special about an artist who produces and writes their own music. I think that's special, but that's different. I, I might feel differently about it, but I don't think that would change where I would rank it. If this album came out and absolutely changed the game in 76 and everybody went out and get it and everybody talked about it and yeah you know it all those other things that happened because of mm -hmm. peppers and pet sounds and london calling and all those other mm -hmm. things then yes but no that uh not for me um maybe it does for you tainted a bit uh if that's what you're getting at but it doesn't bother me so much as just I just don't see the significance of the album itself. I mean, it is it, it um, is this interesting dynamic too, in that um, all these songs were recorded within a year and a half of each other. Uh, so they hypothetically could have been an album um, <laughs> if it was done that way. Uh, and the right. last six tracks actually did come out on his first album. And so there is a chunk of music here that is on an actual album. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It, right. They could have used okay. they were, Elvis's yeah. first album in this, t in this slot on the list and actually might feel better about that. It wouldn't contain that's all right. I, Mama, I, I, I would be way would more comfortable. Same sound oh, quality yeah. and sound style that was so transformative at the time in 1956 when it came out. Um, well, it's just, I, I think that the Beatles revolver set them up as a band to release. Yeah. Sergeant Peppers, which is the greatest album of all time, right. according to this list. So I have no problem with saying that, you know, just because something led to something else doesn't mean that that thing that came before is the greatest because it's not. It's significant because it, it set that up. But so in the same way, I would have been, if his, his first album, it would have been cool if that album and The Clash's London Calling could have been side by side on the list because the cover uses the same yeah. lettering. <laughs> um his debut album in London calling. So that would have been fun if they, they could have done that. What were they thinking? But um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought about that earlier in kind of researching this, that I would have been more comfortable with his debut being in this spot because that 
well, that was when he was launched into the, you know, into the spotlight. I'm sure lots of people knew about him before that, but certainly many more when he released his first full album. So yeah, for sure. Let's call up Rolling Stone and tell (laughs) him what we think. And I'm waiting for the day. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the phone to ring. The day when somebody who made this list comes across our podcast and just just lights us up. <laughs> well, Is that going to happen? Maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I, <laughs> you know, we're we're leaning heavily on this being included simply for "That's All Right, Mama," and I think there is a really good case, right, to say that that was not the first rock and roll song, and it is okay. somewhat disrespectful to put. Uh, the white guy who made it sort of generically popular across the country to, to label him as the creator rather than uh, some of the artists who came before him. This, the other song that often gets, gets quoted is Rocket 88. And it sounds like a faster-paced jazz riff. But it's it's got some of that That's All Right Mama okay. kind of feel to it. Um, as a rock and roll right. song, and and if you go to, there's a Wikipedia article uh, called "The Origin of Origins of Rock and Roll," and they list. I think there's got to be a hundred songs on here, starting in the 1920s, and sort of building a case for how how rock and roll was created. It it actually ends with "That's All Right," um, as sort of you know that was actually a culmination of what became rock and roll, rather than the origin of rock and roll and so um yeah i don't know there is definitely something to be said about the way elvis popularized a sound but um especially the racial component building on the backs of predominantly black african-american musicians uh and being the one to sort of break through i think is is the part that gives me the most pause that's a a story for a whole nother episode and uh (laughs) Yeah. Right. So sound logic? I don't think so. It's not it's not no. a bad record. No. It doesn't it, make it, me cringe when I listen. We weren't around in the fifties to know how no. powerful this music was. You know, I, I know why they put it there. It, the logic I can see I can see why. It's just not it's not a selection I would have made. Well and like we said before, if you need an Elvis album in the number 11 spot, I think it should be his debut. Yeah. Even though he was already very popular by then. I mean, maybe that's the tension that they were dealing with. Like, yeah. that debut was not his breakthrough. Well. And so so then what? So then you're kind of stuck with that dynamic of, you know, do we put the debut after he's been famous or do we put the album that came out 20 years later that catalogs those first major hits that made him a star? Yep. And I don't know, I guess we could go around in circles for days. As the kids say, the struggle is real. Yeah, that's right. So, is that what they say? Sure. And they'd probably throw something in about it being meta. And, uh... <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Anything else? I think we've done this one as much as we can do it. I, I keep going back to uh, Forrest Gump. I don't know. Maybe that says something about... Uh... <laughs> At least my musical introduction to classic rock, but uh, Elvis was a pretty 
yep. prominent Hound. figure in that movie and that soundtrack and uh Hound Dog. Yeah. Um because uh Forrest a uh, young Forrest Gump teaches him all his rock and roll yeah. moves in his in his bedroom at the the big right. boarding house in Greenbow, Alabama. Does Elvis show up anywhere else on this list? Yes. He shows up uh, down there at number 56. And that's his debut album. So they <laughs> they thought enough to include yeah. his debut album, which contains five songs from this Sun Sessions. Uh, yeah, it's strange. Really bizarre. Yeah. I uh, Personally, I would have I switched those, you know. You can, you can see the significance of these recordings. Yeah. But I think that that so he, yeah he's in there and then uh, he does show up again, does he not? Yeah, El, uh, Elvis from uh, from Elvis in Memphis, number one hundred ninety, and that's it. Hmm. So three, so three albums from yeah. the King on the list, or Uncle Elvis as he's referred to in our family. <laughs> right (laughs) yeah all right well if if you have nothing else to add then i want to thank everyone for listening to us once again and hope that you will join us next time when we discuss finally a jazz album at number 12 which is Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Could be a challenge for me. I'm, I'm excited to wrestle with a genre that I don't really give much time to. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll see that you can open your, your mind and your heart to uh, something new. You take your first steps into a larger world. <laughs> That's an Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, quote there for you. <laughs> well, maybe we need to find an expert to join us. Let's have someone. Let's have someone on that. I episode. think that's. I think that's a. I think that's a great idea. Deal. And they can help us understand it. As always, it was great talking to you again. Thanks, my friend. And uh, look forward to our next album. It's a date. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.